All right, Sixers fans, a big win. I don't know if you can count it as a big win because the Sixers have really owned the Chicago Bulls this season, have now beaten them 11 straight times overall, four-game sweep in this regular season schedule, and now the Sixers sitting at 40-24, and 5-0 and with James Harden in the lineup. Before we jump into that, don't forget, subscribe to the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. You can catch us pretty much anywhere you get your fix, and of course, check us out online at libertyballers.com. we got a special episode for you here, part two of our Sixers Daily, a crossover pod with Mr. Adio Royster. Adio, how are you feeling since the Harden trade? We haven't got a chance to talk, but how have things been for you the last couple of weeks since the beard made his way to the city of brotherly love? Uh, I'm trying to grow my beard. It's not coming in <laughs> naturally. So I may just have to go to my local wake shop and just kind of figure it out because I refuse to do the cardboard thing. If I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this right. Okay. Well, but the- no, I'm, ex- I'm extremely jazzed. I'm extremely excited. I didn't much like some people, like I didn't think that Harden was really going to happen. And then it happened. I'm like, Crap, what what do I do with myself? What what do I do with my hands? I know I have to type something, but I don't know what to do with my hands. I have no idea what's going on anymore. I'm just incredibly elated that we that Harden is on the team and it seems like he's been the perfect fit for Joel Embiid. I don't care what anybody says, Stephen A. Smith, whatever. These this works. This works. I love this. This works. Okay. Five and zero since the trade. When Harden's in the lineup, five and one since the trade overall. Got to take the good with the bad, but that's fine because you know what? I'll, I'll take it. Well, you know what, Adio? I'm not really a fan of Stephen A. Smith's little, like he was saying that last week before the Sixers played against the, the Knicks on, on national TV. And he's like, they got to play Maxi at the point guard. It's like, wh- dude, have you watched a single game this year? Like, I'm not saying Tyrese Maxi did great as a point guard, but he is so much better in that slasher role that we've seen him take on since Harden was was moved to the team and it's like when you got when they're saying stuff like that it's like you're really losing credibility with with the locals and and with Sixers fans all around but again I think ESPN stopped caring about credibility years ago so I'm not going to get into does, that but does does Stephen A. Smith watch any of the games no the answer is no let's just move on yeah that's a, that's an that's an easy one and I'm with you on that they're going to all act like they're they're Sixers experts come time for for the playoffs but this game a couple of things to look out for as well Danny Green did leave the game with a middle finger laceration looked pretty bad I, I'm assuming it won't be out obviously for the rest of the season, but couldn't be missing him for a couple of weeks, which means we might see some Furkan Korkmaz minutes, which we didn't see in this one. He didn't get off the bench. I didn't hear about any injuries or anything, but Isaiah Joe got a little bit more run. Were you happy to see Furk? And again, we're all hoping for him to succeed. Just been way too inconsistent. What are your thoughts on Furk not getting any run in this one and Isaiah Joe getting a little bit of love from Doc Rivers and the coaching staff? I think they had to try something because Furkan has gone so cold since the all-star break. You got to try to do something and get something out of those minutes. If it's IJ Joe, great. If it's Shake Milton, fantastic. If it's a combination of the two, or if Furkan finds a stroke again, like that's great. But in the meantime, you got to figure this thing out because those minutes are important, especially now when Danny Green might be out for a couple of games or so. Like you got to figure out, what that new guard slash wing rotation is going to be and who's going to be productive in those extra minutes that are going to come out. Cause you're looking at maybe like between Danny and the Furcon spot, like 30, 35 minutes of guard slash wing work that you really need to get production out of. Yeah. And looking at that too. I mean, I, I'm with you. I think that has been the Achilles heel and Paul talked about this and you can catch it in, in part one of our uh, podcast from the day earlier on where he's saying, you know, we got to find a way to get some more wing depth, not going to happen, but that's something to address in the off season because that could be the Achilles heel for this team come time for the playoffs. And the Eastern conference is loaded. It is stacked. 
it's going to be difficult to get through. It doesn't matter if you're starting off as a one seed, two seed. It doesn't matter at this point because you're going to be playing some really good teams all the way through. So hopefully opponents aren't able to take advantage of that. But let's talk about Joel and B2, a deal. 43 points, 14 rebounds, dominated the Bulls who were missing, Nikola Vucevic, but Tristan Thompson got lit up like a Christmas tree in this one. Let's not, let's not put that any other way. When you're watching this, the mix between Embiid and Harden, and, and some people talked about that, that Embiid hasn't been a great pick-and-roll player. He's a little bit better and more effective getting the ball either on the block in the post or at the high post where he's kind of being able to dictate where the defense is going to go a lot of the times with his eyes and his ball placement. But now... He doesn't have to worry about that. And Harden's finding him in the, all the right places. When you're watching these two play together, is there anything that might be concerning you? Or do you looking at this like this is a match made in heaven at this point? I don't want to say it's perfect because obviously there's going to be some uh, still some learning curves. You're still really seeing not so much with Harden, but with some of the other guys like the entry passes like they would be obliviously fronting Joel Embiid and it only seemed like Niang was able to get those real good like entry passes in outside of Harden nobody else really does that well and that's a bit of a concern because if you're Joel Embiid yeah you want him on the block and doing his thing down there with the pick and roll stuff because he is the most dangerous pick and roll pick and pop player that James Harden has ever had Clint Capella in Houston was only good for so much, just rolling. But with Embiid, he can roll, he can pop out, he can do all those things. He's got really good hands, very good footwork or feet work, whatever. But yeah, when it comes to just basic Joel get on the block, some of these entry passes need to be a lot crisper. And I feel like they need to spend multiple practices on just entry passes and something they've had to do for years now. Well, I, I like what I saw from from Niang and Harden a couple of times that they were able to find him over the top when, when he was getting fronted in the post. And so a little bit more of that, a little bit more touch, I, I think, would definitely help getting him beat in those positions. And Doc can always say, hey, you know what? A guy like Niang, a guy like Matisse Thybul, maybe flash high post, and you can have him beat over the top that way, too. So there are different wrinkles the Sixers are going to have to use because we might see him beat fronted a lot more. When you look at the Eastern Conference standings, not a lot of teams with traditional big men there that are going to be able to go toe-to-toe with Joel on the block. And so at that point, we might see some adjustments with zone, and we've seen the Sixers struggle against that, although I'm sure having Harden is going to make that easier on them. And on top of that, you're going to see teams where they're going to be like, you know what, let's just play basically a, a, a two-man defense on Joel and leaving a guy like Thibel open, who was actually great in this one. And Harrison Grimm, who writes for us at Liberty Ballers, uh, he mentioned that too. The Sixers undefeated when Thibel is in – double figures with scoring. He had 12 points in this one, a nasty throwdown that, that Harden found him on. Uh, what are your thoughts on Matisse so far? And how, how do you think he's kind of looking and how do you think he's going to continue to fit in and get better as we go into the last 18 games of the season here? For all that's made of the Joel Embiid, James Harden pick and roll, the James Harden and anybody that can cut pick and roll is becoming equally as deadly because you'll see Matisse, pop out for a screen and then just roll hard to the rim and James is really good at those pocket passes and if James is an ISO defense is singling out on him they just let Thibault cut to the rim and it's just easy pass it's just easy buckets Harden has just been so good at finding the right guys at the right times in the right moments and just getting easy buckets and it's refreshing to see that now having a true point guard like James Harden who can do those things and make it easy on other guys to get their points. 
I mean, how happy was, how happy have you been Adio, since you're like watching this team play because we all would get frustrated you know when you're looking at the Sixers prior to the deal it was like they have the talent they obviously have the high-end talent with Joel Embiid Tyrese Maxey playing at near an all-star level I think he'll be there soon enough in his career but I'm talking prior to the trade and then Harden comes in and now all of a sudden this team's regularly putting up 120 points looks a lot better in terms of its offensive movement and getting the ball around like how happy have you been since Harden's arrival and and where do you put expectations for this team? You've, you've loved them for a long time. You've been a huge fan of theirs for many years. Where do you put the Sixers right now in the NBA pecking order? So in terms of how happy I am, I will say just to start, there's a fluidity to the Sixers offense now, specifically the half court offense. That is something that has been a bugaboo for the Sixers for as long as Brett Brown was the head coach, moved on to Doc Rivers. It was very stagnant. It was very, hopefully, Joel gets a bucket. Maybe Ben Simmons gets to the rim. Maybe Tobias Harris gets a three-pointer just out of nowhere. But there is fluidity and options in this offense now. There is James Harden pick and roll with whoever. There is Embiid fronting and doing his bully ball thing in the post. There are open shooters. There is spacing. There is all kinds of wrinkles to this offense now that we had never seen before because a certain Ben Simmons just either couldn't or wouldn't learn how to shoot on a consistent basis. As far as the NBA pecking order, I mean, in the East, it's really, really hard for me to go against Milwaukee right now. I Don't get me wrong. I love the Sixers. I love covering the Sixers. But until they are dethroned, I still kind of like Milwaukee in a seven-game series, even though I firmly believe it will go seven. In the totality of the entirety of the NBA, probably they're definitely a top-five team. Where they sit in that top-five, I'm still not a 1,000% sure yet because I'm still working out where does Miami fit in? Cause I don't really believe in Miami yet. Milwaukee's in there. The Sixers are in there. Obviously Phoenix is definitely in there. And then there's the dark horse teams like Denver. Like if Denver gets healthy, I'm, I'm not betting against them in a seven game series. If the, if, if Dallas gets hot at the right time, I'm, I don't know if I'm betting against Luca. So there's definitely a top four in the pecking order between Philly Phoenix, Miami, and Milwaukee. But as far as like a precise order, I don't really have one yet. I just know that the Sixers are up there with the top echelon in the NBA right now. Yeah, you know what's funny, Adil? Like I've obviously been a Hoops fan for, you know, since I was a kid, so 25, 30 years now at this point. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, dude, this is the first time I look at it. I'm like, I have no clue who's going to win the championship. I think the Sixers are right there. I'm with you. Right. All right. I think Milwaukee, I think the way Boston has been playing over the last couple of months, as much as people might not want to hear this for, for Sixers fans, the Celtics are a legitimate contender. They're great defensively. They got enough talent with, with Tatum and Jalen Brown to be able to put up points. Like they're a scary team. And then you look at the West, you mentioned the Suns. Golden State's been struggling, although Draymond looks like he might be back next week. That'll be a big help for the Dubs. You got Memphis with John Moran playing out of his mind. Utah's finding its groove. So you're looking around at all this, and you're like, damn, I don't know who is going to, to win the championship this year. But that, I think, is exciting uh, for fans, and it's exciting for us as, as, as people who cover the league, too. I uh, want to jump into a couple more things to deal. Let's do you that talk out. about Memphis real quick. Yep. I'm not counting Memphis out. I don't think that Memphis is too long of a stretch to think they can make the NBA finals. I really don't. I think Memphis can get there. 
Oh, I'm with you. I, the, the way John Morant's playing and the way they got some of those young guys there, obviously Dylan Brooks and, and, and a ton of other, a ton of other talented pieces. I, I love what the Grizzlies have done. They're young. Yeah, don't sleep on Memphis, y'all. I'm telling you now. Oh, yeah. Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson's back in the lineup. Like, you look at this team and it's like, damn, they can they could ball. And I, I, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing, like, not only watching what's going to happen in the East, but in the West where it was kind of looking like, if you remember, it was kind of looking like, Okay, this is the Suns and the Warriors, and that's it. And then over the last couple of months now, same time the Celtics got hot, you got Memphis, you got Utah. Like you mentioned, Dallas, the Mavericks have been playing well. Denver is going to get back Jamal Murray, MPJ, and hope you know if they're healthy. It's like this is going to be a scary, scary playoff run for any team that's going to get through, and it's going to be a dogfight. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, let's jump into more NBA talk. Adil, we'll do that after a short break. All right, we're back. Uh, Dio, jumping back into some more things, getting back to the Sixers, we were talking kind of the big picture NBA stuff. The offensive rebounding, it's been a major, major problem throughout the year. The Bulls came into this one, the second worst offensive NBA rebounding team overall, the second worst rebounding team overall behind only the Sixers, ended up giving up 10 offensive boards to the Bulls in the first half, which helped kind of the Chicago to help the Chicago, but Chicago stay in. <laughs> um, but if you're looking at this like now, what are you looking for from the Sixers to try and maybe remedy that? Obviously, Harden's arrival has helped them. He's about an eight rebound per game guy, uh, definitely a threat to be in the double digits every time he's on the court. But do you think you're that this is something that's very elementary, but you think the Sixers should be working on that more, like getting a body on your guy, at least on the defensive end? I, I feel like working on box outs would definitely help. And the idea of maybe gang rebounding like you know how <laughs> back in back in the day when you first start playing organized basketball it's just like all right three guys crash the boards and just like hopefully maybe one of y'all gets it but um i i think tobias really like if if tobias isn't going to be too i don't want to say too helpful but on the offensive end if he's not really contributing to what he's used to or what that contract would kind of demand that we ask him to do, then I feel like he needs to really put in work and energy elsewhere. And I think rebounding is definitely something where he's going to have to come up a little bit bigger. It doesn't help if he's going to be guarding a lot of the wings most of the time. I don't want to put so much on Joel Embiid because the man can only do so much. He's been shouldering the load for quite some time this season. And good God, could we, can we get this man a night off? Maybe not against Brooklyn, but possibly against Orlando on Saturday. Mm-hmm. But I, I think there's team rebounding dynamic that needs to happen. And I agree with you. Harden is an above average rebounder for a guard. But at the same time, he, like Tobias, most of the time is going to be on the wings along with Maxi. So I think there has to be a team commitment to rebounding on a nightly basis. Also doesn't help that Andre Drummond was traded to Brooklyn as a part of the Harden trade. Mm-hmm. Drummond did a lot on the offensive boards or the defensive boards. I don't know what to think from DeAndre Jordan yet. He had some plus minutes tonight, but in extended minutes, yeah, DeAndre's got to come up big on the defensive glass. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I and mean, then looking at what DeAndre did in this game, for those who don't know, only played 10 minutes, which is going to be about what he plays no matter what, especially in the playoffs. If Doc decides to give Embiid a little bit more run, then you're looking at about 10 to 12 minutes. Uh, did have a couple of points, three rebounds, a couple of offensive rebounds, did have a couple of dimes as well, had a block. Uh, not going to fill up the stat sheet, I think, the way Andre Drummond could on, on any given night, but 
just need the Sixers just need him to come in there and not screw up. You know what I mean? Yes. And I think that's where that's just, kind of the goal of the non Embiid minutes is whoever comes in, like don't be a black hole on the defensive end, like Paul Millsap, but just give us like 10 minutes of, of at least some run and we'll be okay. DeAndre, all we're asking you to do is not be Dwight Howard. That's all yeah. we're asking. <laughs> that's and that is not a tall ask. Although, you know what I mean? Given what we know, just uh, say it. Yeah, I'm about that to, out there. I, I, I want to get back to uh, Tobias Harris too. There, uh, Adio, you mentioned him and and kind of his his rebounding, and kind of what he brings brings to the team. And and if you look at this in the in the games that Harden has played, he's averaging 11 points per game during the during those five. Uh, you're looking at his rebounding totals, only averaging 6.3 rebounds so far this month. Not exactly getting your money's worth on roughly 35, 36 million dollars this season. That's only yeah. going to go up over the next two. Again, I, and we're not going to fault him for getting. I'm not going. I'm not going to say we. I'm not going to speak for you, but we're not going to fault. Like I'm not going to fault him for taking the money that was offered to him. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, like no, that, no, no, that no. was given to him. And I, I've said this before on the podcast. If Vox Media came to me and said, "Hey, Jazz, here's two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. I'm going to take it, even though it might not be bringing it in." You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but what is there? Is this just what he's going to be? Like, do you anticipate him try like at least maybe adding another wrinkle to his game? He's been better defensively overall over the last couple of months. And, and I know he went through a ton with the early COVID diagnosis. He had some injuries that he was banged up, not exactly looking like a 20 point per game guy now. And especially with Harden, he's just not going to get that opportunity because that's going to take away from the Sixers being a championship level squad, which they are when their top two options are Embiid and Harden. So if you're looking at, you're looking at Tobias Harris. Are you expecting him to maybe get any better or maybe shift his role? Or are we just looking at this and thinking, this is a Toby we're going to have to deal with from now on all the way through June? These are my thoughts about Tobias Harris since the trade. Since Harden come, has come in, obviously you're going to have Harden getting his points. But then you also see Maxi kind of stepping up his game as well. So it looks like the person who has been suffering the most right now has been Tobias Harris. And he has been this guy in his career. He takes advantage of the smaller guys that are put on him. He takes advantage of the larger guys that are put on him because of his quickness. But when you have somebody like James Harden, who you want the ball in his hands more of the time, then Tobias Harris maybe needs to take more advantage and get into the post a little bit more just to get his game going a little bit. And then maybe stepping out and being best case scenarios, like a Chris Bosh, Kevin Love type, maybe. Mm -hmm. I, I would say that's where he should be able to expand his game and his range a little bit. Outside of that, I, I hate to turn and spend $37 million on nothing but like an oversized, uh, uh, three-point catch and shooter and like that's it but right now that's really the only thing that Tobias can really contribute to this offense right now because Joel is hot Harden is here Maxi is stepping up his game like I, I don't know what else there would be for Tobias to do other than that and be a even more consistent three-point shooter yeah we're gonna need him that, that's where they're gonna they're gonna need him and it'd be a little bit more decisive i think number one when catching and shooting you look at at his totals again this is just over the last uh four games minus one that obviously harden didn't play on saturday in the ugly loss in in miami but basically shooting 25 percent. you know what i mean over the last four games you go you can even go further back than that he shot uh two of five against the knicks two of six against the, the timberwolves from outside yeah, they that's need not work. gonna do it that's not gonna do it and there and you know what and you look at 
past NBA champions and, and you look around and there usually is either a fourth, fifth option, sometimes a bench guy who will come in and win the eventual title winner a game. You know what I'm saying? Like they'll, they'll yeah. have a big outing and uh, hit some clutch shots and have 25, 30 points. And, you know, let's say there's going to be a game in, in the playoffs that Joel struggles and they're not getting enough from Harden on the offensive end. This was an example. He went five for 15 shootings, still had 14 assists. So don't get me wrong. He was great in that, in that aspect, but where they're going to need somebody else to step up and do it. And I think Tobias is going to have to be that guy at some point, he's going to have to win them a game in the playoffs. If, they want to get to the promised land. And so that's what we're looking for, for from Tobias is a little bit more consistency. And also, let's be real. If Daryl Morey can attach a, a first-round pick or two, that guy's gone in the, yeah. <laughs> in the summertime. You know what I mean? I, our, our colleagues of the Gastroenterized Blues, they floated some idea on Twitter. And I'm really like, wait, is this really a bad idea or am I just or am I just uh, knee-jerk reacting? Because I think it was either Steve or it was uh, Dan who was like, are we sure we should be starting George Niang instead of Tobias? I'm like, no, 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 no. Hold on. Stop. Stop right there. Let's not get carried away. I don't know. You know what? I think that might be a reasonable suggestion. <laughs> but I mean, okay, here's the thing. George Niang moves like me on a YMCA court. You know what I mean? I'm exactly. Like, oh, and, and bulky and hulking, but he's friggin' good. He's been a, like one of the underrated signings, I think, of the NBA season. But he only plays, you know, roughly, let's say, 20 minutes a night. Is do you want him out there more? Because at this point, yeah, I, I'm with you. I don't think that's a terrible idea. Do you, do you, or maybe maybe cutting Toby's minutes a little bit more, depending on how Doc wants to stagger things and getting the Yanks a little bit more run out there too. I think I think cutting Tobias's minutes and splitting it a little bit better between Tobias and Niang is probably the answer. I'm not throwing Niang out there to start a game because you take away from one aspect of the offense that Tobias can give you. For example, let's say he has a undersized three on him. You want Toby to be able to go mouse in the house and take him to the woodshed. Niang is not going to be able to do that. So if you, if you put Niang in the starting lineup, you take away something that this, you take away an option in the mm -hmm. Sixers half court offense. Niang is strictly a catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. Tobias can do way more in a starting lineup. He just needs to – I don't know why he seems so lost, but hopefully we just need him to find himself again. Yeah, and I don't know how much Sixers fans and even the team can count on that. You know what I mean? Just given what we've seen from him all year, I think we saw some spurts where he did look did look really good. He kind of came back, and, and we were talking about him – because you look back at his at his time in, in January, he was averaging almost 20 points per game. He was shooting better than 40% from the three-point line, 43% actually. And so you're looking at what he was doing, and he had a couple of big outings there, a couple of 30-point outings when, when the Sixers went on a, a bit of a run. And now we've seen him kind of fall back to earth a little bit, and I think that is coinciding with James Harden's arrival. And again, I like Toby as a player. I like him as a teammate. I know he he works his ass off. I know, I know he's, he's big on everybody being accountable, but... At this point right now, it's like if you're having this guy out there for 37, 38 minutes a night, is he going to be able to deliver and be good enough come time for the playoffs? Uh, Adil, I want to wrap up on this. I want to get your thoughts because I asked Paul this too on part one. As I mentioned, catch out on the Liberty Ballers podcast feed. But looking at the Sixers, where they stand right now, the three games behind the Heat as the time that we're recording this podcast, half game up on, on Milwaukee, gave themselves a little bit of breathing room, a game and a half up on, on Chicago overall, who's sitting in fourth. And then you got Boston a couple of games back, Cleveland, 
finally got a win after losing a few in a row there. The Cavs are sitting at six back. I don't, I'm not even going to count what's happening in the play-in spot, but where do, you, where do you think the Sixers end up finishing in the standings now with 18 games to go? Uh, I'm starting to really have to talk myself into Miami as being good and a serious threat. I've been resisting it all season. I might just have to really take them seriously now, which sucks. But um, if you ask me right now, with the Embiid-Harden connection and how they're playing right now, I mean, Milwaukee still looks really good. I, I still and they're getting Brooke Lopez back soon, too. So. And they're getting Brooke Lopez back. It wouldn't shock me if the Sixers were second, but I, I think third is probably where what we're looking at right now, which is, which is fine. I'm totally okay with that. A nice 3-6 matchup against, uh, I believe it's still Brooklyn, right? That's Cleveland. No, no, Brooklyn's oh, it's way Cleveland. Back. Yeah, I'm Brooklyn's sorry. way back. Yeah, yeah. All right. I haven't looked at the standings in a while. All right. Yeah, I'll take the first round series against Cleveland. And then, um, what is it? Uh, it would be Milwaukee or Toronto in round two. Fine. Bring that on. Let's go. <laughs> oh, that's and I, I'm with you because the NBA doesn't recede, right? It's 2-7 it's versus 3-6 and whoever wins that. And to me, I'm looking at this like, okay, here's the problem. And I'm not scared. Oh, no, it's one eight three six. I'm sorry. What? So it would be it would be Miami probably. Which... No, no, it's it's one eight. It'll be one eight four five, and then two seven. Oh, okay, three six. Yeah, that's a, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's been like that for a long time. But looking at like Brooklyn again, I'm not scared of the Nets, even if they are fully healthy. No one's scared of the Nets. I wouldn't want I wouldn't want the Sixers taking on Kevin Durant in a seven game series in round one. Do you know what I mean? Just because that guy can score forty five a night. And, and lead Brooklyn to four wins out of seven games where Joel Embiid scores 40 in the other three losses. So for me, yeah, but Brooklyn, asked, Brooklyn asked Kevin Durant to do that last, last season in the Milwaukee series. And yeah. it, it, it went the way it went. So, but I I'm saying from a Sixers perspective, I would love to see, I think the bulls are going to fall back. They've already lost five in a row. I think they're going to fall back a little bit, might be able to get Lonzo ball, maybe Alex Caruso back sooner than later, which helps a bit of their free fall. But I I'd, I'd say, give me Chicago or Cleveland in round one, and then take on the winner of a Milwaukee versus Brooklyn in round two and let those teams beat each other up. You know what I mean? Because ultimately I do think Brooklyn's going to win or if, if they can get into the top, seven and eight, which I think they will. They're too far back of six now at five and a half behind Cleveland. But if they can get healthy, they got Durant back now. We'll see what happens with the NYC mandate. But you're basically going to have Raptors, Nets, possibly in the in the first round. I'll take Brooklyn in that all day in a, in a, in a winner take all. And then you got the Nets as a seven seed. Go ahead, Milwaukee. Have your plate full and take on the, the Nets in round one. And the Sixers can can give up home home court advantage in round two and take on Cleveland or Chicago. Yeah, have that little aperitif, Milwaukee. Have have yeah. at it. It's all you. It's all you, baby. <laughs> all right, Adil, let's wrap things up there. It's a good time talking hoops with you, man. We don't do this enough. We only do it, what, this is, I think, the second time we, we've done it since uh, since I hopped on the network here back in July, August. I, I, I know. Like, one of these days, I'll have to actually bring you on the Out of Sight podcast. But, and, I mean, you know, <laughs> you don't exactly write for the site, so there's not exactly something I can bring you on for. But I will prom- I promise I will work you in a heck of a lot more. Well, you know what, Adil, I'll take that as a, I'll take, I'll take, I'll take that as a, I'll take that as that a, is a, I will formal, be your last option. I'll be your last option. No problem. Formal invitation. <laughs> that is a formal invitation. Not everybody gets that jazz. Come on. <laughs> Just seems like all other 15 other Liberty Ballers writers have gotten the invite except for me. So I, I'll, okay. I'll, take it, I'll take it at this point. And uh, I'd love to hop on with you too. We love the work that you do. Usually coming out on Mondays and Tuesdays. So I appreciate you, man. 
Out of sight with Jazz next week. Here we go. <laughs> there you go. You heard it. And I'll tell you guys this right now. He's going to forget about it and end up having somebody else on. But uh... no, he's just going to remind me in the Slack every day for the next six days. <laughs> we don't want to deal. We'll do a roundtable on. Uh, we'll do a roundtable face to face on. Uh, on StreamYard and get it out there on Twitter so we can finally do one face-to-face and talk some, talk some, you know what, to each other as well. I'm down. <laughs> All right.